Welcome to the Starry Sky and Witchy Things podcast, your weekly study group about cosmic witchcraft. I'm not here to teach, just share what I love. I've studied witchcraft like it's my full-time job, and now you don't need to spend as much time and energy to get started. I'm known as Asteria in witchy circles. I'm a city girl, spiritual seeker, and start obsessed like I'm Natsuki Shinomiya in Utapri. Oh, just a warning, there would be loads of otaku references. I'm the one friends that people go to when they want to know whether they can blame a retrograde for their problems, or they can't make sense of their daily tarot card. And now I'm here to be that friend to you too. Thanks for tuning in. Enjoy today's episode and I look forward to connecting with you. Good day witches and listeners who don't like the label but still show up. I realise that I'm really bad at the whole greetings and welcoming part. It's not because I don't appreciate new listeners coming into this space. I do and I'm chuffed when I see the stats. I guess I just don't really think about externalising the feeling because to me that's obvious. If you were not welcome into this community, why would I show up to record every week? I'm a manifesto. I struggle with completing the things I start all the time. If I keep doing it, it's because I care. So this long preamble kind of fits in with the theme for today, which is all about shadow work. I'll be talking about what shadow work is and why you should do it how to work with the cosmic bodies to do shadow work, which will include how to read a birth chart to find areas to work on, and rituals and spells for shadow integration, and then a core cutting spell and potential ritual to go with it, which is an alternative or an addition to the release spell from earlier in the series. A disclaimer. This is not mental health advice, I'm not a mental health professional and if you need that kind of support, please reach out to places that offer it. Without further ado, let's dive in. Shadow work is walking with your unconscious mind to uncover the parts of yourself that you repress and hide from yourself. It's things that you find undesirable about yourself and don't want people to know. For example, a common shadow trait for people who are socialised as girls when they are little is that anger is a shameful emotion that should be suppressed. Another way to look at the shadow is as a negative expression of what would be a neutral personality trait. For example, sticking to things that affect women A man is assertive and prays for it, but a woman is bossy and a B-word. 
This tray is the same, but the narrative turns it into a negative, and plenty of women will shut down a part of themselves to avoid that perception. One easy way to notice our shadow is to look at those areas of our lives where someone triggers us. We tend to become judgmental of others when they mirror to us behaviour that we don't like about ourselves. Like my narcissistic mother calling my aunt, self-absorbed and vice versa. I love them, but seriously. Shadow work is the discipline that pertains to looking at these parts of yourself so that you can integrate them and stop them from holding you back. By integrating your shadow, you step into your power. Since witchcraft is ultimately about empowerment, I believe this is a part of our craft that is vital. Also, it's a form of inner alchemy, which is pretty witching. It is not about practicing dark magic. If you are into that, by all means, no judgment, but shadow work is a different thing that applies to all witches, whether they choose to embrace the dark archetypes or integrate them and embrace the light archetypes from a place of alignment rather than spiritual bypassing. One key archetype for shadow work is the figure of Morgan Le Fay, queen, fairy, goddess, sorceress, depending on which source you ask. One theme that follows her around in all of those incarnations is that she encompasses both shadow and light. While it's trendy in spiritual circles to claim the title of Lightwalkers and post IG quotes with the hashtag good vibes only, witches own their darkness. I love this affirmation from Gabriela Herstek. I am a bad bitch. I am a powerful witch and I own all parts of who I am. Maybe it's my infamous plutonium birth chart, but some days I genuinely feel more comfortable in the shadows than I do in the light. Which leads me into the next topic. So, the Lord of Shadow Walk is, to no one's surprise, Pluto. Its domain is the eighth house, so the first place you can look at your birth chart to see areas of your life that need healing are the planets and the sign that you have there and where you have Pluto too, of course. If you want to go back to the planets episode and refresh your memory, be my guest. But if you are looking for how to do spell work with Pluto, its correspondences are the water element, Death and the Hanged Man in the Tarot, and Labyrinthus has theme spreads for the Major Arcana that you could use for these in addition or instead of meditating or incorporating the specific cards. Animals are the Phoenix, Snake, Scorpion, Fox and Eagle. Its colour are mauve, maroon, dark red, purple, white and black. Metals, plutonium, tin, chrome and steel. Stones, Snowflake Obsidian, White Howlite, Hyperstein, and Black Tourmaline. Plants, Incense and Oils would be Rhododendron, Pomegranate, Chrysanthemum, Rosemary, Vanilla, Basil, Poppies, Belladonna, Foxglove, and Hemlock. And finally, the Trees, Cypress, and Pine.
You can incorporate any of these in your rituals for shadow work, which are a good way to use the energy of the waning and especially dark moon, where we are now at, if you're listening at the time of release, in preparation for setting new intentions in the next cycle. There is no right or wrong way to do shadow work. It can be intense, so you may not want to make it your focus for a few cycles back to back. But you may not want to take years to heal your conditioning because you've got a life to live and need money for that, in which case you might create a container for that intensity and get as much reprogram as you can. That's my strategy, which is why I can see why other people may want something gentler. A plus spell can be a good way to tap into your intuition about what needs healing at any point in time. If you want to go for the intense container looking at it all in one go, I'm going to talk you through how to read your birth chart to find the problem areas and how to work with them. I've already mentioned this 8000 Pluto's placement, but you're probably sitting there like, that's a bit broad. And I can understand. The themes of a sign are quite broad, but that's where the planets and aspects come in. I'm also going to drop a link in the show notes with one of the best explorations of the themes of the houses that I have found, although it's general and doesn't explain how they interact with the signs that they're in. Let's look at the eighth house first. If you have any planets there, that narrows down where to focus. I don't, so my shadow gets triggered by Gemini pop stars, whose first name means the same thing as mine, to the point that I have nicknamed my higher self after him, because she doesn't get triggered by the fact he exists and people like him. Of course, now you know my eighth house is in Gemini, which is mutable air, governed by Mercury. So we have a way to narrow the focus a little here by looking at Mercury in my chart. I can't tell you the degree off the top of my head, but it's the only Capricorn planet I have that actually falls in my third house, which has the cusp in, uh, in Capricorn in Placidus. In fact, I think it's something like 28 or 29 degrees of Capricorn. So I'm supposed to be a master of practical communication. But I digress. Mercury isn't in detriment in Capricorn, but it's an Earth sign, so it isn't exactly a place where air thrives. So you start to see why the free self-expression of Gemini appeals to my stuck-up Capricorn self and also why my stuck-up Capricorn self looks at it like eh, cringe. And of course, Mercury is also the ruler of Virgo, where I have my Lilith, which is the next key placement to look at for shadow work. When I say Lilith, I mean Black Moon Lilith, which is a calculated point and not the asteroid, and exists with two different calculations. If you are interested in a future more in-depth look at the asteroids and minor celestial bodies in astrology, let me know and I'll add it to the future seasons topics. For now, we're looking at this Lilith, which I quote, represents where you may have felt ashamed, shamed, ridiculed, stifled, deeply misunderstood, or repressed in some manner. For whatever reason, you are wary of expressing those traits or parts of your personality freely and unapologetically, and you can feel quite uncomfortable with people who are doing so. 
The quote is from Cafe Astrology, by the way. I think I forgot to say that. My placement is interesting because I don't have a house with a Virgo cusp. So it falls in my Leo ruled 10th house. And depending on the themes, I can resonate with Lilith in Leo or Lilith in Virgo. Even though the placement calculator gives me 25 degrees of Virgo. To make it even more complicated, some of the Lilith shadow in Capricorn themed, as that's the sign that rules the 10th house. One could spend weeks unpacking Lilith alone. However, you can look at how the themes interact with the other themes to narrow it down, as well as which aspects it makes. It so happens that I have Lilith trining Mercury and Jupiter and squaring Uranus. Trines are positive aspects, so they may not appear immediately connected to shadow work. So I'll look at squares first. If you have a hard aspect like square or opposition, that's an area where you will struggle in life. So it makes for a good starting point for shadow work. That applies to all areas that have such aspects, not just specifically Lilith. You can look at the details of planets, houses and signs and identify where the struggle lies. Lilith and Uranus are not particularly unsuited to each other, as both have an undercurrent theme of rebellion, but when you begin to look at where they sit in the chart, then a picture emerges of potential areas of growth, even with planets that reinforce each other's themes. So, to recap what we've seen so far, areas for shadow work in the birth charts are the 8th house, Black Moon Lilith, and the art aspects like squares and oppositions. Another area of the birth chart that can be fruitful for shadow work is the Imum Celi, or IC, which is the point on the axis opposite the Midheaven. It represents our roots and ancestry, as well as our subconscious, assuming that two things aren't one and the same. Depending on which house system you use, it can fall on the cusp of the fourth house or in a different one. You can also look at Chiron, which is your core wound. Finally, the North Node, which is your lesson to learn in this life. Since it sits opposite your comfort zone on the access, it can easily be something you judge and dismiss because not aligned with those aspects of yourself that you take for granted that make you that belong to the South North placement. Now that you've found out the areas where you need to work on yourself, you might be wondering how to do it. There are, in my opinion, three steps to shadow work. And at all these points in time, you can use different strategies based on what feels good for you. The first step is awareness. The birth chart is like a compass that tells us where to direct our attention. But we need to look at how day-to-day -day life and see where things show up. Paying attention or journaling, meditating or reading tarot for introspection are some ways in which we can look at our life and notice the pain points. Some people do it daily, some do it less frequently. It's up to you. Whatever you do, practice self-compassion. You are not broken and don't need fixing. 
or shaming yourself even more for your past behavior. You did the best you could with the knowledge you had at the time. Now, you have more knowledge of how to empower yourself as a witch and you can do better moving forward, but your past self is coming with you and deserves to be treated with the love and respect you will be giving your new integrated bad witch, powerful witch self. The second step is releasing. This is where you let go of the things you want to change. Like, for example, with the ritual from earlier in the season or the spell I'm giving you today. Whatever you do, this is the step where you start priming your brain for integration. So it's the one where it pays off to go all out with rituals and spells. The energy that sits on the opposite end of the axis from a placement could be what you want to work with in spells too. The third and final step is integration. This is where you begin to introduce the new behavior in order to fulfill life as yourself. For example, one of my big shadows is around taking up space and attracting attention to myself. One behavior to counter that is this podcast. I'm giving myself permission to be out there and you get to choose if you want to be around me or not. Integration is about acting so that your new beliefs about yourself stick. Cord cutting spells are one of the most versatile and easy spells to have in your witchy toolkit and you don't even need a physical cord to cut. You can do it all in your mind through visualization. I like to use physical objects in my spells and I have plenty of black satin ribbon that's left over from an old Halloween costume. You can use two candles or other objects that represent what you're letting go. The usual practices apply to this spell as well. If you're new, you can refer back to the very beginning of the season to learn about it. There's timestamps in the show notes. For the sake of this example, I'm going to use a spell I did with a pin of a miraculous medal, which is one popular Catholic sacramental linked to devotions to the Virgin Mary. So I had at one end of the cord the pin and at the other me. And I did the spell to release myself from the Marian consecration I had felt obliged to do at a youth camp. You speak your intention out loud or in your mind and you cut the cord, whether literally or in your mind. That's it. You've done. You're no longer tied energetically to the things that you wanted to release. I'll be back next week with the episode on being a cosmic witch in the city, which is also good if you have to stay in the closet. And it's the final call for any questions for the episode 10 Q&A. I already have a few good ones, but there's room for more. The email address is starryskypodcast at gmail.com, also in the show notes. Until then, keep living in wonder.
Thank you for listening to the Starry Sky and Witchy Things podcast. A huge thank you to Jenna Sword at Jenna S O A R D on Instagram for the cover art and Papa Planet for the music. If you enjoyed this episode and you'd like to be notified when a new one comes out, please subscribe on your platform of choice. And if you really love it, leave a five star rating and review, which will help me be found by more people who will enjoy it too. Also, feel free to share it on social media and with anyone you think should give it a shot. You can send your questions and comments to my email starryskypodcast at gmail.com or on Instagram at starryskypodcast. And you can also subscribe to my monthly newsletter at witchymusings.substack.com where I share reflections and tips about the astrological seasons. Until next time.